Hello, I'm Rabban Bacon, and we are Success Across Boundaries, a group of individuals tapping into the experiences of expats, their success stories, and key learnings for fostering future cross-cultural exchange. This podcast is sponsored by Relosophy, relocation and growth solutions in Germany for active global citizens. You can find them on therelosophy.com. Next up is Tanvi Hera, who works as a research and development manager at ARV. Can you start by telling us a few words about yourself and your current professional engagements? Yeah, I'm Tanvi Hera, and I'm an enthusiastic virologist, as I would call it, and an avid traveler as well. I have been doing my uh, graduation studies in Europe. At the moment, at the current moment, as my professional engagement, I'm working as an R&D manager with an international organization called IRB, where I'm basically providing scientific program management that deals with ensuring effective scientific direction, linkages, strategic planning, implementation and execution of the scientific framework. I'm also leading uh, the development and implementation of various scientific strategies and managing and monitoring the milestones and deliverables, identifying scientific gaps and risk, escalate key risk, provide risk mitigation strategy to facilitate decision making and thereby support implementation of these mitigation strategies. And the entirety of this is towards translational research and bringing more products, for example, vaccines and antibodies to the public for the betterment of the public health. So you say you work in virology. What's the sort of main diseases that you are currently sort of studying and finding ways to mitigate against? I assume coronavirus is pretty high up there yes. right now? Or? Coronavirus has been added to our bucket. Definitely. But primarily, we're working on HIV, so that's human immunodeficiency virus. Mm-hmm. And of course, other infectious diseases also that impact the world, but like Lassa virus or even malaria, dengue, which are prevalent in the other nations as well. But primarily, so far, the focus has been on HIV and COVID. But of course, we are, you know, expanding that. And there are comorbidities that do happen with HIV, like, for example, TB, tuberculosis, which is also quite high in the areas of, you know, India, for example, and some parts otherwise as well. So, yeah, so these are the infectious disease domains that we are primarily looking at. Yeah, so as far as I understand, HIV makes you more susceptible to any other kind of disease. Is that broadly correct? Yes, that is broadly correct because, you know, being, you know, infected with HIV makes your immune system a bit more compromised. So when you're immunocompromised, of course, you're more susceptible to infections. Mm. And in the UK, there's quite interesting thing that they just found out. It's more likely to affect heterosexual people now rather than people of the gay community, which is kind of a new development in England. How has the disease changed over the last few years perhaps in in India or elsewhere in the world so of course I mean as you know that there is no vaccine for HIV as Mm -hmm. of now yeah but there are uh, therapies so there are these antiretroviral treatments which can actually have a quite a high cure rate and not just the antiviral retro treatments but also there are other therapeutics for example monoclonal antibodies which are you know like new thing for the market and of course they can be both preventive and therapeutic as well with the advancement I would say that I mean still the prevalence of HIV has gone down 
around but in the areas of let's say africa india where there's hard to reach population because there's still some more awareness that needs to be generated there are more you know products that need to be brought into the market and when i say market it's of course should be delivered to the people directly right and they should be comfortable taking it so i think that has been the goal but i think overall a lot of there was a strategy in, in india i think in back in 2016 when they implemented it by the national aids control organization of india that there will be test and treat so everyone who gets tested will start the treatment but of course to you know cater to a huge population in india it's another ball game altogether right to reach out to everyone And so tell me about the different phases of your career across India, Germany and I believe Sweden. Yes, yes, that's pretty interesting and it takes me down like the memory lane. Mm. So I have a bachelor's in biotechnology which is quite a broader field that you do a lot of different facets of bio plus technology. So there is a lot of human, there's plant, there's fermentation, there's a lot of mixture. And towards finishing that i was always more inclined towards human medicine you know like towards research or towards you know how to make an impact on the public health but of course for that i had to go foundation was to go step by step because you need to make your foundation strong so for that i did my masters actually in italy which was on dengue virus and i was actually looking at the different vaccine platforms because there's no vaccine for dengue as well and from there i went on to do my phd in panover medical school this was also focused on looking at different vaccine platforms and looking at how the immune responses develop in infected patients of hcv so this was hepatitis c virus focused primarily we were looking at how different platforms can work and what can be done because like hiv hcv also has no vaccine yet that was the main area and that brought me very close to understanding not just from a uh, from a standpoint of the basic sciences but also taking your product to the next level which is translating your research from discoveries to making it viable as a product marketing it and then of course putting it into the public health domain and again it was vaccine related of course as a next step going to sweden was essentially doing more immunology work learning more about translational and clinical research so actually working on human patient samples or even be involved in some of the clinical studies and this was more broader so the work that i was doing in sweden with my collaborators in germany was essentially looking at the immunopathology of all the hepatitis viruses and not just c that has been a very you know this was all technical focused kind of path that i had so far i think during my tenure of my postdoctoral research where i was very much focused on doing all these things with clinical research with translational research i also got familiarized with a lot of you know doing a lot of project management writing grants scientific project management and i think this is why i decided and i think it was the next step that i could have taken that i should be in in a place that would provide me that platform or you know on the skills that i had learned so far from my journey as a researcher to communicate that to your stakeholders and when i say stakeholders could be your other private institutions academic institutions donors funders and bring them all together with the main aim or goal to to have a public health impact so yeah so that's been jumping around over a decade and then back to the base in new delhi where i was born
Did you always want to move back to New Delhi eventually and sort of carry on the work back there? So initially, I mean, when I went there, of course, that was not the first thing, but definitely it's always been on the radar that I want to come back. It's more like, how do you call it? I never wanted to be a brain drain, but like a reverse brain drain kind of a thing. Mm. So yes, always wanted to bring back, come back to the own country. Yep. And so what are sort of three to four key learnings from your personal story? I would always say that learning especially in science, is a continuous process. So whether you're learning it from a younger person or an older person, I think one should never, ever say or put a stop to learning. I think that's the key that I always feel. And I think more on a lighter note is whatever you do, never forget to enjoy anything that makes you happy. I think the big things, the little things, no matter what circumstances, I think one should really make most of the things that make you happy. So that could be your hobbies, passion, you know, keep pursuing it because professional growth on one hand is important, but you know, personal advancement or the personal growth and how as a personality and to be in a happy space, I think that is also key. So keeping that kind of a balance is very important. And have there been any moments of struggle in your professional life and how did you overcome them? One major hurdle, I wouldn't say major hurdle, but I think these are small things that happen when you are abroad and, you know, especially when you're in Europe as a non-EU. There have been instances of visa issues, let's say, right? Because you get the visa very much attached to your contract basis. So, you know, I think over there, the whole idea has been to be patient. So patience has been the key where, of course, you know, like that's the broader picture where you what you are here for so you know keep that and just be patient but I think one major thing when I finished my PhD and I took up this postdoctoral position and I moved from Hanover to Essen and this was in collaboration with Stockholm at the Karolinska Institute I think it was a huge step that I took but also very productive and very fruitful so it was more about setting up of an entire lab so I was not just as a postdoc but because we were actually starting and you know setting up from scratch over there so dealing with you know lab management issues procurement because it was a new place so you already had to get familiarized with the admin so that kind of really opened me up and it kind of also you know helped that how your cultural communication skills your idea of being patient and also a bit of language you know, can really help to survive in those kind of conditions and never losing your cool and has it been tough to balance both your professional versus personal life? And are there any specific ways to overcome those challenges? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's kind of given that, you know, to strike a balance between professional and personal is never so easy. So I think one thing that I always keep in mind is never let one creep too far into the other. So if, if you're doing one thing, just, you know, have some kind of straight direction or vision towards it. I know a lot of people might say it looks like a timetable, but this really helps me and it works that knowing about detailed scheduling, which a lot of people feel that it's kind of binds you. But I think for me, it's been liberating because it, it really helps me to know, okay, that if I really have to prioritize and get this work done, then I have time, you know, for my other personal things to get done. But I think when it comes to personal things, I think also knowing the schedules of those around you will also help 
because then you can really you know again then it's like schedule and a bit of planning that goes about i think in the end it's just not that physically that you're being there is very truly different from actually being there so i think just by being physically there i think you're mentally also one should be really there i think that's how i have been striving let's say to have mm. a balance between both professional and personal And so you mentioned your education earlier. Do you believe that it has a sort of direct relevance to what you are doing now? Yes, definitely because you know as I mentioned that some initial areas of expertise has been to really developing and doing a lot of like research like bench work so you know bringing that to a proof of concept kind of a stage. And now what I'm really focus on is the translation aspect of it which is downstream or the second step towards it. The organization that I work with I mean their mission for example is you know to really translate scientific discoveries into affordable globally accessible public health solutions for the developing world and for introduction in the LMICs or the low income middle countries so i think with that kind of mission and mandate i think i'm, I'm really on that path where one step by step that from research taking it to you know step of product development product management and then further impacting the public health and which skills do you think have sort of helped you to navigate both international and local environments I think I mentioned it before but I think these are key and I keep resonating with them quite a lot is mm. the cross cultural communication. I think you need to understand wherever you are you need to adapt and you also need to be acceptive to you know what kind of cultures if you keep moving from one place to the other. I think one should never stop networking that is key and these days it's not just sending off CVs but you have a face or if you can really have that kind of networking ability that is important i think a collaborative nature uh, which of course during my time of my education be it masters or phd or postdocs i think that has also taught from a professional level but also in terms of personal level also collaborative nature is very important apart from that i think interpersonal influence is also good and lastly resilience i think you know that is also very important because sometimes failures and setbacks do happen but i think you know that's not the end so that's that's where resilience should be there so you're talking a little bit about living in germany sweden and you also mentioned italy mm-hmm. what have been the toughest and easiest parts and sort of which country did you feel most perhaps most comfortable in <laughs> which one did you like the most you know So I think I'll be biased for this and I cannot really say because I spent quite a good amount of years, you know, it was good odd years of 7 years in Germany. Mm. So that just makes me a little more biased and learned the hard way of being how Germans are very punctual. Then trust me, but it's really doing good to me, you know. I used to be a bit of like laid back, but being with the Germans and you know learning from them really put that up like, you know, being meticulous, plan you know although you know they have this stereotypical opinion that Germans are a rule loving you know bunch of people and they have all mm. sort of like written and unwritten laws which they kind of adhere religiously but i think it's just good and this is what part of you know understanding their culture their cross cultural communication i think this this is something important but definitely the what i really enjoyed was like public transport is like so cool there it's bright mm-hmm. friendly cities most of them but i think there were some downfalls of it which for the first one or two years i was a bit not so comfortable like the shutdowns on sunday 
which mm-hmm. was I took a bag. I was like, okay, that's that doesn't happen. Why would you shut down on a Sunday? You know, I mean, that's the day when you actually go shop. Or even a lot of issues was finding apartments, especially you know getting only unfurnished apartments, like where you had to even buy a whole kitchen or the floor. These were little not so something that I had experienced before. But again, as a, a what was the good thing was now that we're talking about apartments, I think they have this culture of recycling friendly. I think that's very nice, which is good. And of course, good beer <laughs> always mm-hmm. makes yeah. me happy. But the Tasman spots were definitely, I think, the first few years, or let's say one or two years, a bit of struggle with the office, you know, with the paperwork. When you have to go to the Buga Ark or the Auslander Behörde, I think that's when you really, you know, start feeling that okay, you need to just upscale your skills of language or be more into it. So yeah, I guess that's how things in Germany and. I'm Of course, as I said, I'm more biased. But when it comes to Sweden, I think work-wise, I think Germany, Sweden, Scandinavian countries also pretty good and organized, meticulous with their transport system and things like that. Work-wise, I think professionally, both of them, uh, they kind of work on the you know like working hours or uh, they start working very early. Of course, they have this whole family time and you know weekends. So that's that's something I really thought that it was kind of common between the two countries. But I think when it comes to language, probably Sweden was much more acceptable to having a lot of international people because that's how they are and they have a lot of international people. And I think they don't even expect a lot of people to learn Swedish probably. Unless you plan to stay there for a really long time, so you can yeah. get away with your English skills. I think that should be fine. But one thing that really brought me down because most of the times when I visited Sweden was the weather. So it got so dark and gloomy that I just wanted to run back to Germany every time. Uh, so it gets dark at 2 p.m. already. So that that gets pretty hard, you know, especially for someone who's come from a kind of tropical land from India. So yeah. But I think what really helped there was good fika. I think there's a stereotype about about more of the North Euro people that they have wall, or it's a little hard to break them and be friendly and all. But I, there was no problem in, in that way. I don't know if it was because of the kind of work that we were doing, or everyone was very acceptable of the international community and all. To be honest, never faced such kind of a challenge that you know I had hard time making friends or hard time interacting or even. You know, getting to know people or uh, even people helping out there. So yeah, I think that was really great. So the the weather in Sweden must be really bad if you were missing Germany, surely. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this winter has been not very cold, but just very dark and wet and quite disgusting. So if Sweden's even worse, then maybe it's a place to a place to avoid in the winter time at least. But I yes. guess there's proper snow, right, in the in the winter, so that that might. Yes, make yes, there's there's snow definitely, but of course more on the hills or something. I mean, of course it doesn't snow so much in the cities, but I was more in the south, Stockholm. So okay, and yes, do you have a mantra for success? I really believe that you become what you think most of the times. I have this attitude that something that keeps me going is never giving up attitude. So be it professionally or personally, provided as long as you feel there is room for improvement. Because I think that every experience is providing you a lesson for your next success, if not an immediate success. So that's my mantra to keep me going: is like never give up. 
And finally, do you have some words for future aspiring youth? I guess they are very talented bunch of kids, but mm. <laughs> I think just from a learning, it would just one liner that don't procrastinate, just go for it, because some years down the line, you should not regret not taking that opportunity. So yeah. That was Tanvi Hera, and this is Success Across Boundaries with me, Reverend Bacon. Please tune in next time to see who we will talk to next. <laughs>